welcome to our podcast today on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. Today, we are so pleased to have Mario Amadeo join us on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. You can find Mario's website, www.chessinstructor.net. Mario is a fantastic chess teacher. Let me give you a little bit of a background on Mario. So what happened to me was, here I go, I really as a kid wanted to learn how to play chess. And I really played it over the years a little bit on and off, but never really seriously. And then I started playing with some people and they told me, all you do is you move all your pawns forward and you just keep going and you'll learn how to play. And uh, of course I tried that, it didn't work too well. And anyway, make a long story short, I started playing this one guy, call him my nemesis. By the way, I still haven't beaten him, but, uh, and he kept beating me. And I, one day I got so upset, I said, I'm I'm going to call a local chess teacher and find someone and learn how to play this game. And there I found Mario on www.chessinstructor.net. And I'm so excited to have him today. Mario, welcome to our podcast today on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. Thank you, Mayhill. Glad to be here. Oh, it's the pleasure is ours, Mario. And I was reading a little bit about your background. You grew up in um, New York, upstate New York. Middletown, New York, and uh, your father was in construction, your mother was an art teacher. Just give me a little background there, you know, what that was like growing up in that area, what a couple of your interests were. Was chess a big interest at that time, or were you into other sports? Give me a little background on yourself there. Well, yeah, I grew up in Middletown, New York. Uh, Parents moved there when I was about three months old, and uh, I was there until I was 18 years old, and chess was an interest, uh, you know, from the time I was about in third grade or so. And, uh, you know, looked at a couple of books in the library on chess that they had there at the school. That was about it. Didn't, you know, have any training or anything. And, you know, just played it, you know, recess time in the wintertime. A lot of times we didn't go outside if it was too cold. So we'd play board games indoors at recess maybe. And after about my senior year of college, I started getting interested in, again, it but this time more seriously reading chess books. And that time around 1987, you know, there were no websites and and whatnot, of course. So it was still just books and chess magazines to study. And it was just a hobby for me. I got bit, uh, the the bug, the chess bug bit me really hard at the time. And uh, I was 21 or so. And and ever since then, I've, you know, really taken a lot of interest in it and found that even when I was at work, sometimes I'd be thinking about it, which wasn't a great thing. Uh, So eventually I thought, well, how about sharing my chess, you know, getting paid to do that, my chess excitement and thoughts and ideas. And I just, you know, sharing chess with someone that that would be fun. And so started doing that around 1997 or 1998, teaching after school programs. Uh, Biotech company I was in at the time allowed me to take a longer lunch so I could do that, you know, stop by a local school kind of thing. And uh, that's how it got started and eventually went on to doing private lessons. Well, yeah, well, I was reading that you majored at um, State University, the SUNY System Buffalo. You had a BS in biochemistry and you worked on and off as a uh, lab technician for a pharmaceutical company. You had two tours with that company. And uh, what was that like? Did you enjoy that pharmaceutical business out of biochemistry or was your mind still like, it's okay as a job, but I really want to be in chess? Well, I didn't really think of chess as, as a way to, uh, you know, 
make a living uh, for the first 10 years or so. So biotech was okay. I was very immature at the time and I had a lot to learn, you know, looking back now, reflecting on it. I realized actually that first company I worked for, Telios Pharmaceuticals, was actually a great place to work. It was sort of like a second childhood for me, though. You know, I had some mentors there that took me under their wings uh, and uh, put up with my immaturity, I guess you might say. I I didn't have... um, too many mentors before that, and so, uh, or too much work experience other than working in the family business. And that's just not the same as, you know, dealing with a typical, you know, corporate structure and office politics and things like that. I never had to deal with any of those things and just professionalism and things like that. I had a lot to learn, but um, somehow they put up with me. I realized, you know, it was actually a great place to work. Unfortunately, they went out of business, but, uh, you know, reflecting back on it now, you know, I learned was an opportunity to learn a lot of things, but I was kind of slow and stubborn about learning some of the lessons about, you know, being in a professional field and the people skills at work, time management skills, and just getting to know myself better. Really, it was a great place because they, I think they were so forgiving and, you know, places I've worked since then in different fields, including biotech, was never, never the integrity that I found there as far as really good training programs that they had at Telios Pharmaceuticals. And, and so it was actually, now that I look back, I realized that it was a Cinderella story compared to the things I've run into since then until I started to just do chess because uh, that was a great place, but didn't find another place even close to that afterward. And so it was around that time, actually, when they went completely belly up that I started transitioning in the chest slowly part-time at first. Tried some other things too outside of biotech, but um, eventually, you know, just did the chess. Did you start your chess lesson yourself? Did you work for someone else? Did you have a mentor in chess when you started? Were you an assistant to someone or did you start your uh, chess lessons yourself? No, I started doing it myself. I had taken a few chess lessons from a local chess coach in San Diego area. And so, you know, I kind of saw what he did, but what I, I think I'm, I have a much different style than him though. And uh, so I just try to, you know, be myself with that. And there was another chess uh, instructor locally who also, he actually did give me a, a couple pointers and passed his student on to me because he was um, going to be too busy to do chess teaching anymore. And so that kind of got me kickstarted. And he gave me a couple pointers one day, things about like pricing and, you know, my rates and also how to teach. There was one concept, how to teach that he gave me some pointers on. And I still use what he showed me to this day, actually. So I'm indebted to him and to my own chess coach that I had that I took a few lessons from as well around that time. But um, I didn't take too many lessons. Most of my teachers were the chess books. And, and that was another lesson, too, is that I feel that if you're really serious about getting good at something, that you're going to be have to be your own teacher most of the time. And because there are usually on, on most subjects some really good books out there. And if you can find them and you study them in depth, you know, not just trying to read the book from cover to cover as fast as you can, but taking your time and asking a lot of questions, just really an active reading kind of thing, an active studying, that you can learn a lot from experts who have written really instructive books out there. And I don't know about other fields, but it's certainly true in chess and that there are some good, really good books out there and there's some that are so-so. So that was pretty much, so I was mostly self-taught from these books. Well, I guess that's not self-taught, but it was um, having to study these chess books and going at my pace. And uh, that's where I think I learned the most from as far as chess fundamentals. As far as how to teach, though, I never took any teaching courses. And I think that that is a skill in itself, uh, many skills. And it's something that I think I've improved out over the years, but it's very important. It's probably more important than the subject matter, in this case, chess happens to be. And uh, 
my wife's a teacher, actually, first grade teacher, and, and her skills at teaching are far superior to mine, even though I've been doing this for many years. And so I believe that that's the area I'm improving in the most over the years, because the technical stuff I knew really well, even when I started teaching. But as far as how to help someone else develop those skills is something that I continue to try to improve at. And you really do a great job. I'll tell you a funny story or a, a story about Mario is that well, I had a racquetball coach and the other day we were going back and forth on Facebook and uh, I said, and he was one of the top players in the world and he was talking about uh, the drive serve. And during that drive serve uh, talk he was having, I said, Cliff, when I walk in the court, uh, you just look at my grip. And if my grip's not right, you basically stop the lesson and say, we can't do anything more than the drive serve. So anyway, we started to have this little conversation on Facebook and Cliff says to me, he says, Mayhill, let me summarize you. He says, some people, he's talking about me now, some people who are really driven ask a great question and then interrupt the teacher right in the middle of the greatest answer that they're giving and he says i never take that personally but that's how some driven people work and i said cliff are you telling me basically that i don't listen and he, he said he didn't want to come out and say no you, you don't really always listen he said no 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 i love your passion and i love your dedication but sometimes you don't wait for the answer the fabulous answer i'm trying to give you to your fabulous question. And the reason I mentioned that is I went through that with Mario, especially at the beginning. I still do sometimes, but I'll ask him a fabulous question. He'll try to answer it. Then something else will come to my brain. And all of a sudden I'll interrupt the question. And for a while he lets it go. But then one day, this was maybe like around, you know, 10, 15 lessons into all the lessons I've taken. He comes back and he goes, Mayhill, you know, you're paying me for this. I can just sit here and listen to you. Or, you know, you could listen to me and, and I could try to teach you something. I mean, he didn't say it in exactly that way, but that was the genesis of the whole thing. And I give him credit for that. And, and that's what we're talking about here, Mario, that it, the chess part of it's important, but getting to understand, I would think, your student and understanding how they learn how they receive information, and sometimes how you have to kind of correct them to get them on the right track is really important. Is, am I correct with that? Uh, yeah, I might use slightly different words, but yeah, getting the information to them. You know, it, it's funny, some of my best students don't ask a lot of questions, then don't interrupt, and they allow me to come full circle to answer that question. And they become my teachers, actually, because I tend to anticipate and jump the gun when I'm asking a question to someone who's an expert. And I have that tendency as well, and to be too aggressive or to be too excited. So it's helped when I see my students that do really well, who do not anticipate the answer, at least not verbally, that I notice it, it is a lesson for me to, to be a better listener and to be more patient for the answers to come forth. Hey, Mario, how do you organize these lessons? Giving you a little background, when I first met Mario, he would actually come to my office during my lunch hour. He was talking earlier about teaching during his lunch hour. He would come and he would set up the board and we'd have an hour lesson and we would do it in person. And I really liked that. And then one day he said, hey, what do you think about going to online lessons? And at first I wasn't that excited about it for whatever reason. And then over time I realized he actually 
spend more time. He's not setting up the pieces and having to clear the board and start it again. And he can set up a lot of things on the board. And he's really a whiz at that. And now, of course, I would imagine during the COVID-19 situation, everything is done pretty much online. So for our listeners, you know, give me a little insight into how you organize the lessons and how you get some of these scenarios in chess ready to go, depending on what you're going to teach that particular day? Well, it's mostly technical stuff and preparation. They have certain codes that I can enter into the interactive chess board so that the student can see it very quickly, a board that they can move online as well. We're both seeing the same chess board. And that helps the lesson go a lot faster because we don't have to sit there for a minute or so setting up a new position. And we can draw you know, arrows and things on these online chess boards virtual chessboards, whatever you want to call it. So it actually does have a lot of advantages. And I started doing the online lessons about maybe six or seven years ago. And at first it was just a few students, but I encouraged the other, my other students to at least give it a try. And sometimes even offered, you know, a free one just to just see them if they were reluctant to try it, especially because what I found is that once they tried it, they saw the advantages. And there are, of course, it's nice one-on-one when you're in the same room sitting across the table with someone, especially if you don't know them that well yet and you want to build a little bit of a student-teacher bond. But it's mostly just being organized as far as having those codes ready in advance and just being able to cut and paste them in quickly. Uh, So it's really wasn't that much of a challenge. It was you know, it's one case where now that COVID is here and we have this lockdown temporarily, it's for me, it's a good thing I made the transition a few years ago because otherwise, you know, I would have lost a lot of business probably trying to scramble to do something online. I probably would have lost some business. So said it was very uh, smooth transition since most of my students were already doing only online by now. Mario, can you tell early if a player has like a natural innate ability or is going to make progress? I mean, everyone has, I would think, an ability to make a level of progress, but can you tell when you're teaching someone early on if they're kind of a natural for it or you don't really know that until you see things over time? Well, I get the impression that I can immediately almost tell, usually immediately, if they have a lot of talent. It's usually real obvious. Now, I still have no idea if they're going to take it anywhere because that comes from an inner drive and, you know, it depends what pace, what their goals are, what pace they want to go at. You know, of course, everyone wants to be really good when they check chess lessons. That's the goal. But are they willing to put in the, the work? And more and more, I see myself as a guide. And so, you know, getting back to your question, yes, I can see that if they're really talented and if they could be really strong. I have no idea, though, until I get to know them a little bit better what kind of study habits they have, what kind of student are they, are they, because that's is at least as important how much effort they want to put into and what kind of student they are. Do they have organizational skills as a student? Are they a good listener? Like we were talking about before, do they have, you know, self-confidence, things like that. And that takes a little bit longer to see, but usually the talent just jumps right out within like the first five minutes, first 10 minutes. If they're real talented, it just jumps right out. Usually, sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it, it, a few of them take a while to show, but most of them it jumps right out if they're real talented. I just want to let my listeners know you're listening to Mario Amadeo on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. You can find Mario's website, www.chessinstructor.net. His phone number is on that site as well. So if you want to take fantastic chess lessons, please check that out. And uh, Mario is available to teach you some great chess. And speaking of that, Mario, I was starting this, which is about a year, a little bit 
bit more into our lessons, you introduced me to the San Diego Chess Club, where you play at, which is a really nice chess club. It's been around a long time, I think, probably since the early 70s or somewhere in that range. And, um, you know, how do you balance your time, Mario? Because you love to play, I found out as well. You're competitive. I see you down there at the club. You're also spending time with your family. I know you have one son, a young son now, and uh, you're also giving lessons. So, you know, how much time do you put, let's say, for yourself into chess aside from teaching? Well, gosh, years and years ago when I was single, I put enormous amounts of time into chess study and into the chess business doing freebies at the library and trying to get my name out there, things like that. But nowadays, I have much less time from chess as a hobby, and I don't put nearly as much time into uh, trying to build the business either because I have as many chess students as I like for the moment, and it's been that way for quite some time now. But uh, so balancing all that, well, my wife and I were older when we had when we finally became parents for the first time in our lives, and we feel very less, very lucky. So we try to spend a lot of time with our child, and and we're established enough now that we can get away with that a little bit more than maybe other parents might be able to. So I feel very lucky about that, very blessed. And I never take it for granted. Every day I wake up and I feel like, gee, I feel like the richest guy in the world because I get to so much time with my son and uh, with my family. So, uh, you know, I do try to limit the chess teaching. And uh, I still have a tendency, though, I'm always thinking about another idea for a chess lesson. But I try to limit how much time I spend on creating new uh, lessons, for, for instance. Uh, and I do spend a lot of time with family, but not so much on chess as a hobby anymore because, well, there's just other priorities now in life. Perhaps when my son is grown and out of the house someday, I'll be able to get back into uh, chess as a hobby a little bit more. But I still, I do play though, at least when I get the chance, but not as often as when before I became a father and a husband. All right, let's talk a little chess, uh, Mario, here for a second. We're talking on the business side. Let's just talk chess. I mean, this is such a question that I know you're probably going to have a hard time or anyone would have a hard time answering, but I'm going to ask it anyway, which is, well, who is the greatest chess player of all time? Because what I notice about you from the day I took lesson, and by the way, folks, I got a long way to go in my game, but I've taken probably over 80 lessons and I've learned a lot from Mario, but this is such a tough game that I go up against guys who are studying every day, reading a lot of books. So it's a real challenge and I enjoy it. But when I am back to you, Mario, you're such a historian of the game. Like during our lesson, you'll say in, you know, 1830, this game was versus this guy versus this guy. So, I mean, you look today, Magnus Carlsen, you look at Bobby Fischer, Spassky, Kasparov, so many great players in the history of the game. But if you had to pick either one that you felt was the greatest or had the best style that you can relate to, who would that be? Gosh, that's a tough question. There's so many greats that I admire. And as far as my style, uh, perhaps, hard to say, perhaps Capablanca. I think everyone goes through a phase where they try to emulate him and admire him, at least uh, maybe try to emulate that him at some point. I think so many chess players, that's the first name that jumps to the top of their head. And he played back about 100 years ago, more or less. And other than that... Well, what made Capablanca such a great player in your mind? Like, if one thing comes to your head about Capablanca, what do you think about when you see a game played by Capablanca? Strategy. He had a really deep understanding of strategy. Whether that came from... It was something that was just almost obvious to him that almost he was born with, which I find difficult 
to really believe that, but it almost seems like it's true or whether it's, or for wherever he got it from, he just, he had a really deep understanding of strategy as well as being able to calculate extremely quickly. So it was just such a strong combination from the time he was very young, 12 years old, he was already master strength. And nowadays you see other children who are, you know, even younger than that, who are master or even international master or grandmaster strength around that age, roughly. But so he's not the only one, but he didn't have all the software and websites and books, so many books uh, that they have nowadays. So he jumps out at me, I think, probably more than anyone else, if, if I have to really give an honest answer. But there's a couple other greats too, like Paul Morphy from the 1850s. And but probably uh, Capablanca would be the top of the list. Mario, what is the future of chess? I mean, we obviously we're getting older and we need young people to continue the game. And I know, and you'll find this on Mario's website while I was researching for the podcast. You see, he does so much great work with young people, students. He has a lot of young students that he teaches. Uh, that's really his bailiwick. And uh, a lot of people are playing online right now, chess.com and other sites. Do you think the future is playing? online only or there still will be in the future even after we get a vaccine and COVID-19 hopefully is behind us someday we'll go back to having great play in chess clubs or and how do you think this online game you think it's bolstering the game or do you think the game is past its prime right now what, what's your feeling on chess right now as a game it's an interesting question. I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. I do believe that online chess will continue to grow and it probably will even help boost the popularity of chess in part because of the lockdown right now. A lot of my students are actually spending more time studying chess and having a good time playing online with their friends. In some cases, I'm introducing them to some of the other students so they get together and just play little mini tournaments and things. But I think that for a lot of people, especially us old timers, we like to play face to face the most. And there's more of a social aspect, at least for me and probably people of my generation and older to play face to face, that we get more out of that from a social standpoint um, when we're face to face. And that's a big part of why we like to play. And so I don't think that face to face is going to be dying off anytime soon. But I do believe that the chess is uh, going to going to continue to thrive. I think it's going to actually become more popular uh, with time, and I think the internet's going to help that. It, just more people have access to the rules, to to study tools, things like that. So I see chess continuing to grow in popularity and to uh, is both internet as well as playing face to face in a in a brick and mortar club. Well, I know what you're saying because well, I think what Mario was saying earlier is a great thing for our listeners out there because like I said, I've taken many lessons from Mario, but what I'm doing right now during this COVID-19 is every night I go on some of the chess tools and I find lessons on there from some of the great masters and so on who have different strategies and different endings and so on that you can really study and learn on your own. And then I supplement that with Mario's teaching and he actually introduced me to some of these online teachings. So it kind of supplements what I do with him and I think it's helping me a lot. So I think that's a, a great way, like you're saying, this online learning will continue to make the game prosper, correct? Yeah, I think so. 
Well, Mario, um, it's been great having you today. I know that I would ask you one more question. You're a master candidate, and I know that you've really wanted to get to master level. For our listeners, what's that difference? Is it very narrow or it's a big jump from master candidate to master? And what do you think you're going to have to do to get there? Well, they call it candidate master, actually, and they used to call it expert. And yeah, it is a pretty big jump, I believe. Maybe that's part of the problem because I believe it's such a big jump. (laughs) And uh, to get there, you know, as the years go by more and more, I think it has to do with getting to know myself better because I'm seeing that so much with my students and with my own growth in life, both professionally and personally, is that, um, you know, as uh, I think Shakespeare, someone once said, know that above all else, you know, to thy own self be true or know thyself, something like that. And so I think it has more to do with maturity and being honest with myself, being balanced in life. And I think it has less to do with technical uh, because a big part of chess is paying attention being in the moment and because it's a fight i believe and that requires being in the moment and which has been such a big lesson for me all this chess stuff my whole life has really taught me so much about how uh, a lot of times i'm not in the moment and so i think as i improve in that area you know it's one thing to know about it, it's another thing to improve that weakness but now that i know about it at least i believe that that's where the most improvement is going to need to come for me to make that leap i don't think it's a talent thing i don't think it's even a technique or a knowledge thing at this point i think i have plenty of knowledge of the game it has more to do with getting to know myself better and being more centered. Well, that's great, Mario. And my goal is to reach 1700. And uh, one of your, I was reading a book by one of your teachers who says, once you reach 1700, well, you're a real chess player. And I don't think he meant that anyone below 1700 is not a real chess player. But I think what he meant is when you reach 1700, you've maybe cross a milestone where like, okay, now you're, you understand the game a little bit and what's going on here. And, and I really want to reach there. And I hope that I can keep working with Mario to reach there. One thing I've learned a lot about from teaching chess is that for the first time in my life, I really took my career seriously. And that means a much higher level of professionalism. I've gotten much more enjoyment out of it because of that. And much more success, not necessarily monetarily, although it could be in that direction too, perhaps in the future, but just a much greater uh, sense of reward and accomplishment. And so, you know, to any listeners out there that maybe, you know, are kind of drifting like I was when I was younger, trying different things, if you pick something that really is important and it matters a lot, you may find, at least I found, that I suddenly became much more organized and suddenly my people skills took a huge leap, just like instantly, just because I was doing something I was really passionate about. And I started caring about little things like how I dressed, uh, you know, do I look professional every single day, little things like that. And that can make a big difference. People started giving me more opportunities because of uh, they could see that difference in attitude, I believe. And so it, op- it can open a lot of doors and you just have a different. So I encourage people, yes, it might be harder to pick that dream as opposed to picking something normal that's easier to get into. But don't let that stop you. If, you know, I used to hear as a kid all the time, you know, do what you love, you know, don't get discouraged. You know, I think part of it is that because you do have to be patient if you're picking what you love and it is something a little bit different, like, you know, in my case, teaching chess, it's going to take some time. You do have to be patient, but aim high is what I'm saying. Pick something that you really care about and aim high, but don't expect it to necessarily happen overnight. It might, and you can take that approach. You'll learn a lot uh, no matter what approach you take. If you're passionate about what you're doing, you bring so much more energy to 
whatever you're trying to do in life, if you're really excited about it, than if you're just trying it to see if it works. Uh, so for anyone who's maybe, you know, considering a career change or maybe, you know, trying to pick something for the first time, I encourage you to not try to cut corners and or be clever and take the shortcuts, but pick the thing that you really want to do, even if it seems really difficult, maybe even next to impossible, because suddenly all of a sudden, somehow doors open, obstacles start melting away, thought would be in front of you. And a lot of it has to do with how much more energy you present. And people see that. And it's not just your, when your inner life is getting better, it shows and people see it on the outside too. And it, it makes all the difference. With that, I really want to thank you, Mario, for joining us and our listeners today on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Mayhole. It's been a pleasure.